Welcome to Creative Biolabs. We provide reliable oncolytic virus therapy development services for clients globally. Our service covers all aspects from virus engineering, cell biology, to animal testing. We have archived professional academic reports and the latest scientific progress on oncolytic virus therapy by making it into a podcast column. You can subscribe us to follow the latest updates on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Many cancer treatment options exist, such as surgery, radiotherapy, chemotherapy, and immunotherapy. These methods are not equal. For example, patients who undergo chemotherapy may experience side effects like hair loss, vomiting, and bone marrow suppression. And which one to choose also depends on the type of cancer and the severity of cancer. Immunotherapy is developing rapidly in this century. With the advantages of high efficiency and convenience, it has become a cancer treatment method that scientists pay close attention to. Oncolytic viral therapy is one form of immunotherapy. For today's episode, we have invited Jensen. He and his team have been studying immunotherapy, particularly oncolytic virotherapy, for years. Today, Jensen will talk to us about the immunohistochemistry for tumor infiltering immune cells after oncolytic virotherapy. Thanks for joining us today, Jensen. Good evening, everyone. Thanks for inviting me. So to begin, what can you tell us about oncolytic virotherapy? With the development of sciences and technologies, we see many new treatments for cancers are emerging. You know, the popular ones are monospecific and bispecific antibodies, antibody drug conjugates, programmed death factors, and their combinations. There are also cell-based therapies and oncolytic virotherapy. Oncolytic viruses have attracted a lot of attention in the scientific research area and industry. Because these viruses can specifically replicate in tumor cells and cause tumor cell lysis without affecting normal cells. In fact, it's been roughly 100 years since the discovery of oncolytic viruses. We have gone through the discovery and application of wild virus strains, the research and development of genetically modified virus strains, and the enhancement with gene insertion and combination therapy. These three stages in these 100 years. That is a long history. Has any oncolytic virus been approved on the market yet? And is there any particular virus that can be cured or cleared by oncolytic virotherapy? Yes, there are many recombinant oncolytic viruses approved on the market as tumor therapeutic drugs. They have passed the efficacy test and safety inspection. For example, the oncolytic herpes simplex virus has been genetically engineered for its oncolytic activity and safety. They can treat a variety of solid tumors, like melanoma, colorectal cancer, pancreatic cancer, bladder cancer, prostate cancer, kidney cancer, lung cancer, and uterine cancer. It induces inflammatory responses and attracts a variety of immune cells to the treatment site which indicates the occurrence of an anti-tumor immune response. And TVEC is another one that has been approved as the first oncolytic virus for the treatment of advanced melanoma in the United States. 
What technique can we use to detect whether these immune cells really infiltrate tumor tissues? We usually use immunohistochemistry to detect the composition of immune cells around the tumor after oncolytic virus treatment. Because, you know, many organs and tissues in the human body have the same origin and are very similar in morphology and structure. It is difficult to distinguish them by morphology. Can you give a general introduction on immunohistochemistry? Yeah, sure. Immunohistochemistry is a laboratory staining technique for the detection of immune cells in tissues, including tumor tissues. So to identify specific cells, it is based on the principle of antibody-antigen reaction in immunology. Through the chemical reaction, the color reagents of labeled antibodies develop colors. These different colors can be applied to determine the antigens in tissue cells and carry out the research of localization, qualitatively, or relatively quantitatively. Although this technique provides important information about the spatial distribution of infiltrating immune cells, it is limited by the number of markers it can simultaneously evaluate. And there are some additional problems associated with this technique. Like you really need to make sure the contrast and brightness of the image. Without controlling the balance, the image can appear to be too bright or too dark. Also, there could be nonspecific staining or background staining. And there is always the possibility that the section under the microscope can show no staining at all. But of course, these problems can be solved by optimizing the experimental details. But there must be some advantages if this is the go-to method? Yeah, of course. We can use it to identify the source of the tissues. Due to its strong specificity, high sensitivity, accurate localization, and the combination of morphological and functional studies, immunohistochemistry has been widely used in many fields of biology and medicine. It is also widely applied to pathological diagnosis. For example, it can be used to determine cell types, identify cell products, understand the degree of differentiation, identify the nature of lesions, explore the origin or differentiation phenotype of tumors, and to determine tumor staging, and many more applications. I see. This is very convenient. So if we look at a particular example, say herpes simplex virotherapy for solid tumor. In this case, why choose immunohistochemistry to detect the components of immune cells around the tumor? Well, herpes simplex virotherapy for solid tumors often leads to an anti-tumor immune response and a variety of immune cells infiltrating the tumor. We need to recognize these immune cells to determine the immune response of the tumor itself and its surrounding. So tumor sections are embedded in formalin-fixed paraffin, and the immune cells are stained for detection or visualization. And by looking at these stained sections, we can then further judge whether the oncolytic virus has therapeutic effects. Immunohistochemistry is to detect the immune cells around the tumor after treatment. Can it measure the number or shape of these cells? Well, immunohistochemistry is really used to analyze the distribution and quantity of labeled cells. As I mentioned earlier, it is not really quantitative, but just relatively qualitative. Immune cell antigens can react with antibodies, such as peroxidase and alkaline phosphatase, 
which can catalyze the production of colored substrates. And we know that different types or different periods of tumors will be infiltrated by different immune cells. There will be more or fewer markers in between. By detecting the composition of those markers, we can infer whether the tumor has developed into malignancy. Can you give us a specific example? Sure. For instance, there are seven prognostic markers of drug resistance in breast cancer. PGP, GST-PI, TOPO2, KE67, AR, PR, C, or B2. You don't need to know exactly what these markers are. All you need to know is that they are markers of breast cancer. You mentioned earlier that you usually use chromogen or substrate-based immunohistochemistry. Is this method different from fluorescence-based immunohistochemistry? Fluorescence-based immunohistochemistry is unstable and can only last for a few months or years because the fluorophore is declining over time. On the contrary, chromogen or substrate-based immunohistochemistry has a major advantage because at room temperature, the staining can be maintained for several years without fading problems. Wow, it's much easier to preserve the stained samples using substrate-based immunohistochemistry. Well, thanks Jensen for sharing your expertise and knowledge with us. This is the end of today's show. Thanks everyone for listening. We will continue with our topic on oncolytic virotherapy next week.